G'day everyone, welcome back to For the Love of Brick, a fortnightly podcast where I talk to people from all over the world about their love of Lego. This week I chat to Marcel from Astonishing Studios. Astonishing Studios is a YouTube channel that Marcel created that pretty much focuses on Lego vending machines. A few examples are the Pizza Hut vending machine or the McNuggets vending machine. Who doesn't want one of those? In today's podcast, we cover a whole bunch of stuff like why he got into it, uh, what are his inspirations and how much work actually goes into building a Lego vending machine. And boy, there's a lot. This interview was a lot of fun because not only do we get to find out a bit more about Marcel, but he also let us in on some awesome tips for any potential YouTubers out there. But that's enough from me. I'm going to let you sit back and enjoy today's episode of For the Love of Brick. Hello, Marcel. How are you today? I'm doing well, Greg. Thank you. No, thanks for coming on. Um, for the people that don't know who you are or anything about you, the ones living under a rock, uh, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah, totally. So I, I run the YouTube channel called Astonishing Studios. More specifically, that channel entails showcasing vending machines made out of Lego bricks. Those just started with like gobstoppers with nickels back when I started in 2011, but it's evolved to involve fast food machines and more recently food automation around the fast food industry and even taking a robotic Lego machine that I'll spend months making and trying to put it in friendly competition against the human employee. <laughs> How did you get into this? Like, you know, what, what, what came first? Was it your love of engineering or was it just, you just went, ah, oh, I want to, I want to start building machines. I didn't even know what I was doing was engineering until like I eventually had to select a major for high school. Uh, I really just got into Lego machines because I liked Lego. Um, I started watching YouTube videos in like 2009, 2010. And then all of a sudden, um, the autumn, the awesome YouTube suggestion God suggested to me a Lego candy machine. It's this video by this guy who typically makes Rubik's cubes on his channel. And in the video, he showcased something he made when he was 12 years old, which was a candy machine that either dispensed M&Ms or Skittles for nickels. It had two options. Um, I really hadn't seen something like that before. Um, the only thing, of course, I could compare it to are the vending machines at my local YMCA. But I, you know, as like a kid, I didn't have money to buy my own food from it. So if I could create my own Lego vending machine, in theory, I could constantly um, experience that natural high of going to a vending machine. So once I saw that video, I found there were a bunch of other people who had already been inspired by this video to start up what had been called candy machine community so i would just spend like hours a day for months watching these videos from random people on the internet until one day i felt i'd you know observe the mechanisms well enough to the point where i could build something myself that being said i uploaded my first video in 2011 and from there my machine started getting better and better edited as well um and hang on you said there's a candy machine community uh, yeah, it's sort of evolved now to be the Lego machine community okay, because yep. we've all realized that Lego candy machines don't get views anymore because they're not as cool as like a Lego fast food machine. And as I, you know, often realize the standards for YouTube content is always getting higher and higher. So you got to leave the stuff that's not performing well anymore in the past. Yep. Um, now, 
Okay, so you did start off doing candy machines and so forth, and then you... What triggered you to go down the fast food industry? <laughs> Was it you just went, ah, oh, they wouldn't employ me, so I needed to... <laughs> no, no Show bad them. blood there. Um, so it started by one of my friends actually created a Lego Kit Kat machine. And obviously that sounds like a Lego candy machine, but before that point, nobody really emphasized the IP in their work. They just pretty much all we did in the community is somebody would create a machine that dispenses gobstoppers for five cents. And the only thing that would change is the design and maybe the mechanism. So it was really like we were just trying to reinvent the reel for no reason. Yep. Um, eventually that friend, he renamed his stuff from like Lego candy machine version 40 or whatever to then making Lego Kit Kat machine. And um, it got 4,000 views in a day, which for a community as small as it was back then, that was like an unbelievable number, like pinch me, I must be dreaming. So to see that my close friend got that and he was able to replicate similar success with like Lego Phantom machine, Lego Coca-Cola machine, it made me realize I had to think more about the IP. And then shortly thereafterwards, uh, I started following his trend and decided let's even try it with fast food machine. So it's actually an interesting story about the fast food because I instantly saw exceptional attention for that. Um, the first fast food machine I made was a Lego McDonald's McFlurry maker. It was based off of the 90s toys that McDonald's was making. Ultimately, the toy I inspired it from, you would put in a, uh, trying to describe this, so it's kind of hard via audio. <laughs> it um, is. But you have a central aluminum can surrounded by, say, a plastic cylinder. In the central aluminum can, you would put a mixture of cream and sugar. Yep. And in the outer bowl that encompasses the sealed off aluminum container you would put salt and ice and then you'd mix that together and just like ice cream in a bag if you've ever made that as a child um it will eventually make the milk harden into ice cream so i pretty much replicated that with lego bricks obviously not all lego because there would have been tons of leaks um i had some like actual bowls and stuff in the machine but it was boxed in a lego container and um shortly thereafterwards i'm randomly looking up lego machines on google And to my surprise, Fox News had just written about my machine and that other friend who was using IPs in his videos, which was surreal. And I mean, Fox is a very big um, news company in America. So from there, it was getting that story was getting recycled by other journalists from smaller companies such as Food Beast. I think someone from Comedy Central wrote about it. I don't see what's so funny about that. (laughs) Maybe just it's amusing. and from there, whenever I would create fast food machines for like that first year, I guess it was such a intriguing concept to people where there was always a good chance it was going to get written by by some cool company. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Yeah. And that would have been, well, hey, it would have helped your hits, but that would have been uh, yes. sweet to you know see your stuff. But, and they didn't even contact you to go, hey, we're going to write about your thing. You just stumbled across it or someone stumbled across it? Uh, it would depend usually like the fox news thing they wrote about it without ever contacting me um then there were times where if they wanted to say for like a facebook video page they would ask if they could reuse my video in their own work um to which i would you know just let them any promotion is sufficient for me um usually if they were to ask me about writing an article it's because they'd want to ask me some questions so they could get a like behind the scenes look at specifically how i think about making this stuff have there been any like uh, cool interviews that have stuck out for you? Like that you're like, oh, wow, I didn't think they'd even. 
going way uh, away from that, Lego here. <laughs> I know that Insider, the company that you know is related to Business Insider, um, they made a Facebook video on me, and they also put it on YouTube. Um, where they interviewed me, they asked me some questions. I filmed myself on video, and that was very rewarding to look back at, even to this day, just to have it in video form, a comparison to just an article. Um, if we were to actually segue this question to cool things uh, or like cool contacts I've gotten out of this, it's yep. kind of funny because once I made um, the second McDonald's machine, the Lego McNuggets machine, um, like some executive from McDonald's wrote me, he's like, hey, we want to call you, you know, talk more about this. So I was like, oh my gosh, you know, this was um, the beginning of junior year of high school. So I was 16 at the time. Uh, so I happily gave him my phone number and unfortunately he never got back to me. Uh, oh. Really, really disappointing. It's not with the company anymore. Every once in a while, I look at his LinkedIn to see if there's an opportunity for him to ever reach back out. But no, um, I also, there was a cool opportunity where Taco Bell reached out to me for a sponsorship and that's on my channel to this day. Another really cool but far out one is that my Lego McNuggets machine was featured on George Lopez's. I was getting mixed up with George Clooney, but yeah, the, the guy from Shark Boy and Lava Girl was featured on his Facebook page. So oh, a bunch okay. of funny little things. Like it's it's amazing who will see this type of work as long as you put it on the World Wide Web. Yeah, yeah, everyone will get the squeeze at it. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to ask how Mac is, <laughs> has reacted using it, um, but I guess, you know, you're not doing damage to it. <laughs> you're like, I love McDonald's. Yeah, I make sure to be very intentional about speaking highly. I'm not in like the review industry of saying, oh, this food is like the best thing ever or they could have done this better. I really, I just play it safe. Let me engineer around your food and it will be a win-win situation. Yeah, that's it exactly. Um, and what's the hardest machine you've tried to figure out to build? Or you're like, they're all hard, Greg. They're all hard. <laughs> Yeah, they're all getting harder because I have to raise the standard on it if I want my videos to perform well in this day and age. Uh, the McDonald's burger machine took a lot of patience. It was a lot of different mechanisms in that one. The machine I'm working now, the machine I'm working on now that takes raw chicken drumsticks and then fries them, um, is turning out to be its own weird type of challenge. I don't want to say everything's the hardest because I feel like that I'm going to be the boy who cried wolf. So I'll, I'll say that what I'm working on now, the KFC machine's second hardest. But yeah, everything I've been working on since I came back from my year off of YouTube has pretty much been in like the top tier of difficulty. Yep. And um, with your year off of YouTube, that was because you got an internship or was it? No, was no, it I, I pursued a master's degree in robotics um, at the time. I was, you know, when I was applying to master's programs, I was still in my bachelor's degree feeling kind of burnt out, you know, senior year of college and all. Um, so I wanted a quick robotics degree, obviously a competent one as well. And then I just found this one in um, Illinois that really just looked like the perfect fit. I was hoping I'd get in. I didn't apply to any other engineering programs. And as luck had it, I had a good resume and I was let in. I was about to say, um... When you're like your resume, you're like, just head over to YouTube, you know, just, just check out. <laughs> that was a go. substantial part of it. Yeah. But yep. I also made sure to have my GPA and stuff on there. Yep. Sweet. Um, and do you see yourself working a lot more with um, the robot? Like, obviously, you've got a master's in robotics. So that's the sort of route you want to go down. Yeah, I think more specifically like food automation, which would fall under mechatronics, which is like a flavor of robotics. I hope I'm not using too many big words here. Go Ultimately, nuts. mechatronics is, it really encompasses the type of like actual 
physical motion that robots do and how you connect it to mechanics and programming electronics to do it. I'm not describing this well, am I? Ultimately, no, mechatronics get... is a combination of mechanical, so the things moving, and electronics, which is largely me programming something. So by doing something in mechatronics, it'd be the closest parallel in the workforce I can find to what I do on YouTube. Sweet. And good training. <laughs> yes. And uh, we've talked about hardest machine. What is your favorite favoritest um what's your favorite machine or again i know it's the thing of greg they're all my favorites i don't have a favorite um but between you and me <laughs> no and everyone else listening to the podcast yeah, pretty much not your yeah. machines okay. the machines aren't listening not yet yeah no they don't have yours yet maybe when the robots start becoming more capable they will yeah. um so i'd say I mean, I guess if it's hard, that means I'm, you know, I'm willing to put up with it. So I'd be tempted to say the McDonald's burger machine. Yeah. Um, I do remember that at least a couple of years ago, for some reason, I had like a real interest in machines that were predominantly orange. Like I would, I don't know, something about them would just make me feel uplifted and I'd be able to build them really fast. Like there was one machine that dispenses, um, not sure if this is available in Australia, but chicken fries from Burger King. And it was based on Cheetos because they had like some limited time promotion. So I made a machine that dispensed those in like one day. It was like the most unreal thing because usually it takes me closer to a week to build something. But sometimes you just have those moments where you can work like 10 times faster than ever before because you're feeling really concentrated. Yeah. I was about to say, how long does it usually take for you to make a, <laughs> a Now machine? it takes more like several months because they're so big and ambitious, but... Yeah, back back in the simpler days of like five years ago, I could crank out a machine in a week. Yep, sweet. And have you all? Well, you haven't always used Mindstorms, but what was the the what made you switch to using Mindstorms? Like, I guess it's probably getting more complicated stuff, but yeah, I don't really use Mindstorms anymore. I did in my recent egg machine because I thought there was some novelty in having it 100% Lego versus using stronger non-Lego components. Yeah. Um, I switched to Mindstorms uh, simply because my family happened to buy a kit for my younger brother. So I happened to use, it, to use that in like high school. Um, and I also realized from those articles that I realized part of the mesmerizing thing with these videos is how they really saw it as being totally automated, like hands-free, you just put in a coin and the food will be spit out. Um, but then I eventually switched to Arduino simply because there's a lot more, the pros and cons of Mindstorms is both that, sorry, let me reword this. The pro and con of Mindstorms is that you're really trapped in a bubble, which is convenient because if you're stuck in a bubble, you really can't wander out to um, any difficult territory where you do something too complex um, that you can't get help for. But at the same time, you're limited to the very finite components um, that Lego has, like a certain sensor, a certain two types of motors for EV3 at least. Um, but with Arduino, which is what I use now, you can pretty much use any knockoff product made in China, you know, you name it, and you can probably find a decent way to hook it up to this um, microcontroller that I use now. Oh, okay. And that's what Arduino? is it's Arduino, just yeah it's, Arduino. it's an italian company it's also cool because um mindstorms ev3 there's some things you can't program but with arduino for the most part you can pretty much program anything you can think of oh sweet there you go everyone get your head around that one uh, i know bugger all about stones <laughs> and programs and i'm 41 and <laughs> yes um 
but I know about the mechanical side of things and yeah, looking at, you know, half the things you've done, it's yeah. Have you ever thought of GBC, like doing a GBC, like great ball contraptions for people? There's not enough wow factor to it. Like I know beyond the bricks videos of GBCs get super views. I, I wish I could say um, differently that they have more wow factor, but it's, it's really just look at the YouTube algorithm. It sort of says the blunt truth. Um, yep. I think they're cool, but apparently the rest of the people on YouTube would rather watch a, a vending machine that dispenses fast food versus a mesmerizing ball doing these amazing stunts. Yep. Um, and I saw you did a, um, a Nerf gun. What inspired that little one? Yeah. Oh, geez, I can't even remember ago. what inspired it. I know that um, when I was younger, my parents would not let me have Nerf blasters. So I feel like that was maybe my creative way of making it, even without their permission. Um, obviously, I, I don't have to obey them now. It's just a foam blaster. Um, but I, maybe it was Mark Rober's video where he made a giant Nerf blaster. So I, I made that same one out of Lego bricks. That was cool because that was on the trending page of YouTube. And I remember I saw that when I was at one of my friend's house. So I just felt like the man that day. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, yeah, with YouTube, like I know with um, with podcasts and so forth, you know, you get X amount of listens. You're like, oh, I've got, yeah. oh, yeah. Um, do you remember what your first big um, video was? And and what was the feeling when you just, yeah, saw it go nuts? Yeah, so the first one, I think it was like the last video I filmed where my family used to live. So my family moved in like the summer of 2011 and I started that channel February of the same year. Um, I made a life-size gumball machine, um, not with like the several foot stand or whatever, but just a general, you know, red box with these large transparent walls. Um, that one got like 100,000 views. Uh, that was definitely a surreal feeling. You know, just any, I'm sure you feel the exact same as you said with podcasts. Seeing a new digit added on to your most viewed video is just surreal. Um, yeah, from there, I, I made like a popcorn machine that had a similar look coincidentally, and that also did well. Um, so I, I think I eventually found a knack for... Um, one creating somewhat life-size machines or machines that hold like actual serving sizes of food um but also having clear walls because in my my general saying is just like how in fashion black goes well with everything in lego creations transparent pieces go well with everything it just looks so sleek and beautiful yeah yeah that's it exactly uh so what are some of the challenges uh you found with um well building your machines really and then we'll go into YouTube after that. But building your machines first off. Oh, geez. The challenges, they, they kind of change with every machine because, yep. you know, how you manipulate a chicken drumstick is totally different than how you manipulate, like, some buns for a burger. Um, keeping it clean is sort of a challenge that I admit defeat to. Um, I'll always just have, like, a little towel or a napkin by me when I'm filming so I can wipe up any grease from that fast food um oh yeah definitely the biggest challenge that encompasses all my machines is actually the design um i probably spend more time than most people would believe just trying to recreate like one aspect or one design of the machine in four different ways before i settle on one that i figure is astonishing enough 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really a balance between not just mechanism, like everyone would think, but really having a sleek design. Yeah. Cause you don't want something that looks like garbage. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, look at my views. It's like of nothing because it looks like crap. Uh, yeah, I got to get the click in. And, um, and so, yeah. And again, what are some of the challenges of actually YouTubing? Cause you know, is it, is it very demanding? Like, have you found it hard to, you know, keep the schedule and stuff? Are you like, Pfft. yeah, it's, it's really hard to upload frequently, especially with how hard machines have gotten. I, I feel like I'm missing part of the excitement of YouTube of just being able, being able to quickly take something from brainstorm to YouTube and then seeing the response of it versus spending three months, putting my blood, sweat and tears into one machine. Um, I really don't know what the solution to upping the frequency would be, but besides that, you know, I think I have it pretty good. My machines are evergreen content, which means it doesn't really get irrelevant or expire. So, you know, there could be still a handsome amount of people watching a video one or two years later. Yeah. Well, you got a couple of views, extra views over the last couple of days with me watching your stuff. How did your uh, community react when you said, Oh, Hey guys, I'm, I'm going to, be taking a year off did was it like no or oh, okay no worries you gotta go study blah 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 like yeah the answer the answer was uh they understood it i think a lot of us are more alike than we even realize i've met up with some lego builders just a few times face to face in life and there's an uncanny number of parallels between us and i'd say one is that we take education very seriously um, I'd say some people in the community even just quit or they'll take years off just for school. Uh, I don't think taking years off would be a smart move for me. I'm, I'm determined enough to build all this stuff. I mean, as you can see behind me, the podcast viewers can't see. I have a shelf of just Lego bricks that is too pretty to not go unused for so long. Um, so, yeah, they, they really understood it. And I'm happy that I was eventually able to put up that Lego burger machine that really justified why everyone had to wait so long because I had to get a new brain in my master's program. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Had to upgrade, upgrade your, yeah. your software. Um, now, do you keep your machines or do you just have to destroy them to build the next thing? Yep, total demolition. Um, the McDonald's burger machine I just finished, I sorted out all the colors from each other but I just finished sorting out the certain bins I have for a specific color and part just a couple days ago. So that's officially the end of the McDonald's burger machine. It's, it's broken apart piece by piece. So I can now build another red machine, another red machine. <laughs> and um, with, with pulling apart, like I, I know you said before about cleaning. Um, do you basically have to chuck them all through the wash or are they usually pretty clean? I should. I should, but I don't. If I come upon a piece and I need it later, there will just be, oh, it's so gross. But like, there'll just be like a film of, I don't know, whatever gunk is on there. So usually it's all like, it's not like liquidy by then. It's just like a crispy layer. <laughs> you have to like scratch off using the corner of another Lego brick and whatever. I'll, I'll swipe my room one of these days. I, I do it periodically enough. Yeah. Well, no, that's that's all right. Hey, the, the grease adds to the glisten on the, on the, the yeah. filming. <laughs> <laughs> um no i love um i recently again came across this the piano um you made yeah. a, you made a piano and when you first played it that was sort of it sounded kid toyish and so i thought it was basically going to be the innards of like a little xylophone or something like that but it ended up being wrenches how did that 
all come about? Like, I wouldn't have thought to use wrenches, but... Yeah, yeah. So um, I think the the idea first started by making a Mindstorms robot that could play all-star on, like, an actual piano. So it would, like, just drive across the keys and then hit one at a time. Ended up being a total disaster. Um, then I was thinking of, like, you know, what things can I make music with that wouldn't be cheating? A xylophone would be cheating because it's not really like a Lego piano. It's a Lego case at that point, a Lego case hiding a xylophone. Yep. So I had to find something unorthodox to use. I eventually, after looking at everything on the internet, there's a ton of, I think, like physics projects of kids um, making music out of unorthodox things. And I eventually came across this physics YouTuber who showed making music with wrenches. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have... My family has an array of wrenches downstairs. Let me get them. And I think technically my pitch was off, but each note relative to the other sounded good enough to where I could play a bunch of songs like Jingle Bells, technically off key, but the notes just sounded similar enough to each other where it sounded legit. And it's kind of funny. Someone in the comments must have perfect pitch because I remember they wrote, oh, that that note sounds more like, like that D sounds more like an A sharp. I'm like, what on earth? I don't even care. <laughs> It plays, damn it. It plays. Yeah, just, just accept it, man. <laughs> That's it. Um, and are there any sort of machines that you favor? Like not, not being hits wise or anything like that, like, but as in that you actually really enjoy building? Um, so like, you know, I, I know you've done a rat trap. You've done, what do you call it? Um hockey table thing yeah they foosball you've done foosball like is there anything pinball like anything you're just like you know what i love building them for fun i'd build them even if they weren't on uh, YouTube. honestly it's pretty much anything that's tiny i like building honestly the bigger they get the less enthusiastic i am i don't mean <laughs> to uh you know make anyone feel like it's a lie when i make these big machines but honestly like I do not like them, you know, a smidge as much as I do making something that's like, I don't know, smaller than an eight by eight base plate. It's like, if you can make it in a sitting, then you know it was real pure fun. Otherwise it just becomes a project and sometimes a pain. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know that from building technique stuff myself. <laughs> it's yeah. Like how, 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 like, I know you say it takes a couple of months and you know, how long is a piece of string? Um, but is there any sort of mechanisms that you like? building uh like you know like you got conveyor belts you've got you know droppers and everything like that i really just like what's easiest and i i guess saying i like building small stuff reveals that um yeah. i'm always up for a challenge but like intrinsically i'd rather not have it yeah so regarding mechanisms i'll just like whatever's easiest um making a conveyor belt's always a safe bet um using a motor you know spinning a gear to control a gear rack is good anything that gets creative is is stuff that you should know behind the scenes i did not have a fun time concocting <laughs> um, <laughs> and actually motors how many motors do you usually go through do you usually go through a few or uh well how many do i have in a machine if we are to use the mcdonald's burger machine as the current caliber of what i'm doing that machine, I think, had 10 motors or like eight, something like that, which was ridiculous. But that's another perk of not using EV3 is that there's not a cap at like four motors. I know we're on Inventor now, but I haven't in, I haven't looked into that too much. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I have 
10 stepper motors, NEMA 17. They're the ones you commonly see used in 3D printers. If you've ever tried to look into a 3D printer and see those black boxes spinning around, those are what I use. Um, yeah, 10, 10 if you're building something like a burger machine where there's a bunch of different condiments and stuff. Um, but for something that has fewer steps, you could get away with you know less than half of that. Oh, so you're not like using the Lego motors and everything like that that will... No, no Lego, the... no Lego electronics anymore for me. I've grown up, I've graduated. <laughs> yeah, because I was going to say, because I know, yeah, you can go through them pretty pretty quickly. Hence, I was like, how many do you go through? Because I know I've chatted with GBCs before and they're like, oh, look, you're going to destroy a motor in a day. Um, like, you know, at a showing. Yeah. Yeah, I was confused why you were saying, how many do I go through? I'm like they're reusable like all legos reusable but yeah that's interesting to hear that gbcers it's almost ironic that they would be breaking them and i'm not because mine is like holding you know pieces of food that are not the same size as a cute little lego brick but they have you know a small ball that's just two by two studs but i, I trust they're trying to do some very humble and wacky stuff with those uh, GBC I think, balls. i think it's for them like when they go to shows because they're constantly on for eight um, hours they're just and so yeah. they're like yeah we we burnout motors all the time yeah and the ev3 ones like i tried buying some on bricklink i only buy domestically i don't know if that's ever your strategy when you're shopping on bricklink but like there's none at an affordable price anymore it's i mean at least when i checked a couple weeks ago it kind of stinks they should i wish they would keep ev3 and inventor up simultaneously personally i really took pride in how um one i know you can like program Mindstorms in a bunch of ways that the Lego group provides. But there was one that was powered by LabVIEW, which is like an actual engineering software. So I had a lot of pride seeing that Lego sort of back that DV3. But with Inventor, I haven't looked into the software for that, but it seems to me it's almost entirely or at least predominantly um, mobile programming like on an iPad and such. So, you know, I, it seems smart that they're trying to make it simpler. You know, I don't give them any overarching or net criticism it's all net positives for me but it would just be nice to see like a more macho manly engineering um, program interface that lego provides and maybe they do maybe they have python for it or something yeah you can get in and get to the nuts and bolts of it basically yeah exactly and and so who have been some of your influences um towards building and even youtubing itself yeah, I, I guess I have to give credit to that guy who made the first Lego candy machine. I watched me, myself, and Pi, a Rubik's YouTuber of all things. Um, <laughs> it then went to, uh, you know, people in the community have also inspired me, like um, Electric Dragonite was one guy who joined before I did. And he uploads occasionally now. Um, him and I have become good friends, though, so that was a nice moment of seeing my, like, YouTube role model become a close peer of mine. Uh, more recently, Mark Rober and stuff made here. I'm not sure if you've seen their videos. Maybe you've no. seen that guy who um, he made like a basketball hoop that will move to wherever you throw the ball. Maybe not. You got to check it out. I, I promise okay. it's, it's a good watch. He, he That guy created his channel at the start of the pandemic and has over a million subscribers now. Um, yeah, their content just really pushes me as an engineer to like go harder with my work. That's why my burger machine is like more ambitious than anything I've made in the past. Um, and yeah, just looking at those guys, especially looking at them as someone in a, in a different community sort of made me realize how to make my content appeal to a broader audience. Yeah. And talking about hits and whatnot, is there anything you've built that you're like, oh, oh this is going to go off? 
and then just really hasn't found an audience or you haven't hasn't happened yet i'll knock on wood for you yeah so that nerf gun i made that was on the trending page the the yellow one that one i have a weird theory that youtube was prioritizing long form videos an exceptional amount um which consequently that two minute video i made didn't get a million views like i kind of thought it would um Everything else from there, though, I've sort of been able to accept the humble truth that there were reasons why they didn't succeed. Of course, there will be times where my most optimistic prediction doesn't materialize. Um, but always in those times, I would have had, you know, an expectation that it could flop, um, which is pretty much anything that is not like a really ambitious fast food machine. So at least I have, you know, a pretty clear cut path on what works. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And you know your audience by now because you've been doing it for... How long have you been doing it for now? At least eight Just years? Just crossed 10 years a couple of days ago. 10 years. Yeah. Wow. Oh, <laughs> I scrolled down, but I didn't get right down to the bottom. Um, which was your first machine. What was your first? My first custom Lego machine. Terrible. Terrible. I've privated a lot of videos um, between that one and more recent stuff. Yeah, so that one I made based off of that guy who I said was my inspiration and friend, Electric Dragonite. Um, he showed a mechanism. I pretty much followed a tutorial he had for that mechanism, put it in that machine where I didn't give a hoot about the color scheme, just uploaded it to YouTube as my first video. And I mean, I guess people just keep coming back to it for the nostalgia effect. Um, I think it is good to just get out a video every once, just like to finally get up a video when you're starting YouTube. I think that's sort of the benefit I had of being a silly 12 year old, not overthinking anything. Um, and from there, I was really able to iterate through my content. I even looked at some of my private videos a couple of days ago, and there were times where I was posting like five a day. Like it was not quality work at all, but really <laughs> just going through the motion of starting and stopping a video and uploading it to YouTube. Um, it helped me it helped me get very familiar over time. Yeah. Well, that's it. And, um, and yeah, you know, the more you build, the more you, you get better. Um, yeah, practice is perfect. Um, something I ask everyone, um, you know, just cause I sort of, I think it's a, it's a good insight. Um, favorite Lego memory could be anything. Uh, could be something you built yesterday. Could be your first Lego set. Oh, I, yeah, I guess my favorite Lego memory would be being on the Rebriculous show. That was a web series on the Lego channel. Yep. Um, it was really funny because they started that, I think the end of 2017. So I just started college and I remember I'd be watching them like every week in my college dorm after my engineering classes. And I saw that I could tell they were largely working with, um, I think every guest they had besides me was a non-Lego YouTuber. So I'm like, ah, oh, you know, it'd be amazing to be on that show, but they'll never take me because I I would just be a precedent. Um, but nevertheless, one day I, I was just finishing up a day in my college gym when I receive um, a message on my phone, an email asking me to be on the show. I'm like, let's go. So <laughs> I we filmed it like November 2018. It was me showing them a pinball machine. And I remember having a few moments where I'm like, yeah, if you pinched me right now, I, I think I would wake up. Just going from filming stuff in your own house um, to then being invited you know, elsewhere to actually film with like a production crew of several people around you is just bananas. Yeah. No, it's good fun. And you're like, oh, I've made it. Um, yes. <laughs> like 20, 20 something million people have watched my videos, but no, I'm here. Um, I saw that video and it was a pretty cool little um, uh, pinball machine and you won. 
You won the challenge. Yeah, I had a lot of practice ahead of them. The machine is kind of weird to manipulate in their fairness. I think one of them got like zero points or something. So, yeah. Yeah, sucks to be them, but I won. I beat the hosts. <laughs> um, actually, it would have been embarrassing if you had lost. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah I should have all that practice, huh? Um, I know it's an obvious um, answer, but do you think what you've been doing, um, like, you know, building and using mechanical um, elements in your builds and obviously coding has helped you, um, A, decide your career, but B, for studying in robotics? Um, so, I, huh. so I guess one of them, that would be sort of two questions of one, has building Lego machines sort of led me towards choosing the major I landed in? Yep. And B, has it helped me with that work, you know, whether it be in college or a job? Uh, the first half of the question, absolutely. Um, I heard about mechatronics out of the blue from my dad, who just generally said he heard about this field called mechatronics engineering, knowing nothing about it. Um, so I looked it up on YouTube, and it was it was so serendipitous because there was this one guy talking about mechatronics, and he brought up how this it's kind of even funnier now that I've made something so similar, how there's a robotics company that has a burger robot um, that relies on mechatronics engineers to make stuff like that. Um, so I was like, oh my gosh, that's just so weird that, you know, I kind of, I create robotic food machines, um, even though they were simpler back when I was in high school. So I ended up pursuing mechatronics. Um, thankfully, my the university where my dad taught had a program, so I was able to go to school for a reduced rate. Um, and has it helped me in like my, you know, school stuff? I would say, yeah, absolutely. Um, during my winter project at my master's program, I had to create a homework, um, a homework machine that I chose that topic. So you'd feed in a piece of paper and it would have to be a very specific type of math problem. So I did multiplication problems because in America, there's something called mad minutes where um, you'll put say a dozen multiplication questions on this, on a paper for a student to answer. And if yep. they answer it within one minute, they'll advance to uh, a more tricky problem set. Um, so I would feed it through a machine and in one minute it would successfully scan the whole paper, um, analyze all the characters. I, I used a certain uh, programming software for that. So it wasn't really my, it wasn't me creating this from scratch. So I'm smart, but not, not that smart, you know, I'm a little <laughs> bit lower. Um, and it was able to generate answers to those multiplication problems in a minute. Um, that's, that's available on my personal portfolio at marcelbonici.com. Um, it's called a math homework machine. If any of you guys want to check it out after listening to this amazing podcast. <laughs> Sweet. Um, yeah. Okay. Cause yeah, that was my thing of, you know, I, I would have assumed it would have definitely helped. Um, oh, I, I guess I forgot to say the most relevant part of that was that I made a prototype out of it, out of Lego. And that helped me really estimate what sizes I need for certain things to move uh, as they do. Like, scanning the paper and making sure um, there was enough height between the webcam and the paper so that the peripheral of the webcam could capture the whole sheet and stuff like that. Oh, sweet. See, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's way more advanced than my little, my little ones. Um, and any hints and tips for young people out there who would like to either be a YouTuber um, or get into sort of mechatronic sort of, um, building, which is what you do. 
get into mechatronics with Lego or just mechatronics in general? With Lego, let's say Lego and then whatever. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so the tip for getting into YouTube, I would say hands down to start, the most efficient way to grow your channel is to start by building, start by making searchable content. So there's really two types of content on YouTube the way I see it. There's entertainment and utility. Um, entertainment is just what YouTube will suggest to you on the suggested sidebar or whatever. But utility is when you actually go into the YouTube search engine and look something up. There are Google Chrome extensions you can use to see um, if a certain key phrase that you look into the Google search engine for has a low competition. Uh, one of them is called TubeBuddy if you ever want to use that. Say you could type in how to build Lego Among Us. Of course, that will show that there's a lot of people creating videos for it and um, not a substantial enough people looking for it. You ultimately want to find something that has high searchability, a lot of people searching for it, but few results. Therefore, there's less people to compete for space for on the page. Um, one of my friends, I encouraged to do that, and he, he took advantage of Lego Among Us while it was in its infancy, and that helped grow his channel substantially. Um, I also did Lego tutorials when I started out, so that was a little bit lucky because um, not only was I doing tutorials, but I was also making machines that didn't require technique pieces. And every kid, that's what every kid wants. No technique pieces, no hard stuff, just a bunch of two by fours and you're good. Um, yep. So that worked for me. Um, tutorials is probably what it will be for people if they want to do something like my niche. Um, and for anyone who wants to get into mechatronics with Lego, I'd say start by building other people's Lego tutorials. There's many more on YouTube than when I started back in 2011. I actually started getting confidence to upload my first video after I followed a Lego tutorial. So I think if any of you guys think, oh, you know, I'll just like kind of look at the mechanism and vaguely understand it, I'd encourage you build one to two Lego machines from people's tutorials before, you know, being totally sure of yourself that you're confident enough to create your own awesome mechatronics Lego YouTube content. Yeah, sweet. Good advice. Thank you very much. Um, You're welcome. I only go do some searching now. No, uh, <laughs> got enough <laughs> stuff to do. Um, okay, last question. How can people find you? Follow me on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash astonishing studios and make sure to turn on all notifications. Otherwise, YouTube is not going to tell you about my amazing next upload after it's been several months after my previous one. Sweet. There you go. And are you on Instagram and so forth as well? Or are you like, just YouTube me? I, I use, Inst I don't like using Instagram, but I do use it simply because I notice a lot of people have distrust for the YouTube notification system. So I'll definitely let people know the moment my next video is up via Instagram, if you prefer that. And occasionally I'll upload behind the scenes there as well. Okay. Cool bananas. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. Um, yeah. Thanks for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Take care, Greg. You too. Well, that's it for today's episode of For the Love of Brick. Now you know a little bit more about Astonishing Studios, go and check it out. If you liked today's podcast, feel free to check out some of our other episodes. If you know anyone in the Lego world, you're like, huh, I reckon Greg would like to have a chat to that person, feel free to email me at fortheloveofbrick at gmail.com or message me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Until then, see you next time.